Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Playing the Game podcast. I'm Brock White with my host buddy here. <laughs> Cody Ransom. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Sorry, it's been a little bit, you know, I guess we're back on it. We had a, we're back on. Yeah, we got a podcast released this week. Mm-hmm. And now, really excited about this week's podcast. A really good friend of mine that I have been waiting for the right time, mainly because I wanted to work the bugs out. Of my ability <laughs> to talk yeah. on a podcast. Lots of bugs. Yeah, we yeah. had to work out through the kinks. Now, the king, I don't know if the kinks are all out, but uh, we're going to go for it here. <laughs> we just so, got tired of waiting, really. So I'm going to introduce you a guy I look up to that is, I think, for, he doesn't know this, but he's been a mentor on the outdoor world for me for a couple of years. I followed him for many years before I met him. And listen to a lot of his podcasts about outdoors. And he's he's fascinated me with his story. And I think there's more to the story than I even know about. So that's why I wanted him on. Because I think he offers a good perspective on how you can pursue one career. And then transition and be very effective in the next career. If you decide to take that route. So all guys in the military or thinking like, hey... I'm not. I'm done with this career. Maybe I can transfer to something else. And you can use that skill set you had from one career that will transfer into your next career that you could enjoy. So, without further ado, uh, John Barklow, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show, bud. Yeah, gentlemen, thank you so much for having me on. Um, Brock, you you humbled me already, man. I, I had no idea. Um, you know that. Uh, that I had been able to impact you in some small way, but uh, I appreciate that. Honestly, that means a lot. Um, yeah, I that, do. That's really, that's really what all I've wanted to do since I got out of the military is just try to help people out. No, that's awesome, man. I knew cause I went to the sand dunes with Andy. Um, yeah. and he told me about <laughs> you before he told me you guys were going on the access hunt and that you guys were, he's going to podcast with you on that access hunt. So I was, he told me how awesome you were, and that really got me pumped up for when it came out. And that, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was an interesting podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's been a uh, that's been a while ago. You know, that's been three years. What? Oh. Uh, four, uh, probably four. Four years, man. Yeah, that's while, what man. I'm guessing is what I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. John. I think everybody says everybody Look. talks more better about you than you talk about yourself. But, oh, that, uh, but yeah, I appreciate. That's how it's but I appreciate be, that. Man. When I look in the mirror, 
you know, I think there's a practice that everyone should do, and that's looking in the mirror. And you got to tell yourself what you really think of yourself, and it'll start off really bad. <laughs> but the idea of doing that is to eventually talk nice to yourself, right? And that's what I had to do because I thought really bad things about myself. And I realized I was the only one that thought that. So I, I totally agree with you. When people talk nice of you, it's like, man, people think that of me. But I'm telling you, John, there's a slew of folks that look up to you. You know? Yeah. Well, like I said, I appreciate that. I think you need to be your harshest critic, though. Oh, I totally right? agree. Yes. Yeah, yes. You know, and, and, and your wife can be your harshest critic well, as well. Yeah, but other than that, harsher usually. Wives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we caught we had the wives on. And if you listen to mine, um, you know, she, our wives are there to humble us. They were actually really nice. Yeah, both of them. Your your wife is nicer. But I, told, wife, I took the, her to dinner right before, so it doesn't. Yeah, that's the problem. I didn't count. take mine to dinner, and I buttered her up before. There's no buttering on my. I once again made a mistake, and um, but she could have been a lot worse. She the problem I think was, it was a low hanging fruit for her. <laughs> <laughs> that's our next T-shirt, by the way. Low hanging yeah. fruit. Gotta attack <laughs> low hanging fruit. So, <laughs> what I missed on all the other podcasts was. You know, I knew you're an expert in outdoor survival and the system on how SICA works and mm -hmm. how you train Navy SEALs out in the, you know. Alaska. I think my favorite thing that you said you would do is you'd stand on top of the truck and after a week they'd come in, they thought they're all done, they're all pumped, and you threw them in ag and said, okay, cut a hole nice, jump in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's when you really know uh... – <laughs> Who's mentally tough? Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and and I can say that because I, I had I've had it done to myself. But yeah, you you come back from a four or five day patrol, just nasty weather, cold, you know, and all you want to do is go have a hot cup of coffee and take a shower and clean your gear. And you know, we we were out there with them, and so we roll the trucks and we tell them to start the trucks and get the trucks warmed up and nice and hot, but they can't go in the trucks yet, and. Uh, and we're just standing there and then, uh, the ambulance rolls up and we just keep the trucks running. We're like, all right, gentlemen, you see that lake over there? We're going to go cut a hole in that. And then you're going to go in it and get wet for the next 15 minutes. Oh. <laughs> they thought it, they thought they made it through hell week, right? Didn't have to do any of that again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but it was all for, it was all for training, right? It was all to teach them how their clothing and equipment work. Like there was, there was learning to it. It wasn't because, everybody's tough at that point. Um, but you, you know, I'm sure a few shed a tear. I mean, every instructor at one point in time gets in with them. So, you know, um, and I think that's important because you got to lead from the front. So, but anyways, yeah. Um, we used to do that, but that's the best way to learn things. You know, you got to learn theory is one thing. You got to put it into practice. You got to learn for yourself. Yeah, definitely agree with that. <clears throat> So I think the thing that I always wondered was who was Barclow before all this? Who was Barclow when, you know, how'd you get in the Navy? And then yeah. how'd you cut your teeth? How'd you get to that point? Uh, well, I'll, I'll skip around a little bit, but, you know, grew up in Ohio. So not even out West dreaming about heading to the mountains, you know, for no other, I have no reason why, um, Nobody in my family really kind of felt that way. Um, 
but I wanted to, I wanted to head West. I wanted to climb mountains. I wanted to, you know, hunt elk. Um, and this is, I'm talking 12, 13 years old. That's awesome. Um, but I also knew that I always wanted to be in the military. Um, no, no doubt about that. Kind of him and hawed, landed on the Navy just cause I, you know, I like the beach. I like the water. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, got into the Navy, got into their diving program and, uh, and did that for, I don't know, four or five years. Um, lived in the Philippines for a while, um, ended up in uh, Virginia beach and, uh, and eventually made my way out to San Diego. And I, uh, I was working with the SEAL team out there, teaching them all their specialty diving. And I wasn't so sure if I wanted to stay in the Navy or not. You know, I like to joke that I was trying to get out of the Navy since the day I got in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they always offered me a good deal after a couple of years. And I, I, I stuck around and I loved what I was doing. And, uh, but anyways, I didn't know if I was going to stay. And so I started kind of pursuing this path on, on my off time, which I didn't have a lot of, uh, to maybe become a mountain guide. Yeah. And, um, that was kind of fortuitous because, um, kind of before the war, I was able to take some, some groups out and, and, and give them some training just in the mountains. Um, like military, you know, guys I was or civilians military like... guys. So, so, uh, so steel platoons, okay. cause I was learning from some, some of the best mountaineers and, um, backcountry skiers and, you know, not really survival at that time. Um, and so anyways, once the war kicked off, uh, we realized that really the, the institutional knowledge in the military, especially special operations, um, it didn't exist anymore. So, you know, everybody that had been trained for the cold war, kind of to go into the mountains to, you know, say invade Russia, you know, those guys were retired and, um, the gear had kind of lagged behind. So we had to play catch up really quick because guys were going into Afghanistan within six months, you know, yeah. it just as a general statement, um, I got kind of handpicked, sent up to Alaska. And at that point, um, we spent a year, uh, teaching, teaching ourselves and getting taught by some of the best, again, um, you know, mountaineers, uh, survivalists, um, you know, reading through old manuals and, and trying to come up with, you know, new improved tactics and, um, and, and started to try to implement that and then began to teach guys. Um, and, and I'll just jump ahead, Brock, and say I did that for 13 years. And, uh, so that's what he did for 13 years. Jeez. Uh, yeah. 13 years. Pretty after. valuable to, um, the Navy, you in particular, if they're, you know, if every couple of years you're like, I'm out and they're like, um, how about this? And you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Let's around. just say I, I, I led a somewhat unique career, um, <sighs> And I, and I, and I loved it and I was appreciative and, uh, you know, I always worked hard to, uh, you know, to do my best cause you know, some of the guys we were training, we're going to be, we're going to be overseas within, you know, three to six months. And, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, so I did that. And then at a certain point, you know, you kind of realize that, um, you know, your body gets a little, little older, a little banged up and, you know, I could keep up with the young guys, but that was, that was purely because I knew all the tricks and I had a lot of experience, but I was losing half a step for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so this critical point in my life came where, 
I decided that I wanted to get out. I needed to get out, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I knew I wanted to do something I was passionate about because that's all I ever knew in my whole life was doing something I was passionate about. You know, there really was no nine to five. It was just do the job till it was done. And I, I wanted to, so anyways, I landed, I wanted to get in the hunting industry and I had no contacts, no idea, nothing. And a guy told me that they were looking for uh, a big game product manager at Sitka. And I uh, didn't know what that was, but it sounded interesting. And what I didn't know is they had never had this person there. They had never had anybody at Sitka that basically thought about live, breathe, ate big game hunting and what it took to do, what the gear was, what it needed to be and, and what it could be. And, uh, anyways, long story short, it took me a long time. It took 11 months of back and forth and interviews. And, you know, I ended up in the process moving to Salt Lake city, but, uh, but in the end I, I, I landed the job and, uh, and what a blessed guy I was. Um, I was right back in a job that I was passionate about, hard to even call it a job. Yeah. Uh, and I've been there, been there six and a half years now. Six and a half. So, um, <clears throat> so you got out in 14 and then you immediately jumped in to exactly what you wanted to do the whole time, which was mountains, right? Big game hunting. Yep. And, yep. So what, maybe explain for us, cause I've never been in this position and I don't think Cody has, but you know, working for the government military side. Yeah. <laughs> and then jumping in to the corporate world, you know, um, where it's, you know, a little bit different, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so what's the differences? Pluses, minus on both sides. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the government in general, um, you know, people go there to take a job and, and almost die at their desk. You know, it's, it's almost, it's tough to get fired. Um, you know, it's a steady paycheck. They got benefits, although they don't pay exceptionally well. Um, you can be comfortable now where, where I work specifically, you know, with the SEAL teams, it was, I like to say it was, it was going to work and jumping in the shark tank with a bunch of other sharks every day. Yeah. Class. Um, and, and I, emails. and I love that. Yeah. Yep. And I love that. And although I've never been in, you know, a professional athlete, I would tell you that it's probably somewhat similar in the sense that you have a bunch of alpha males that are really good at what they do. Um, and every day you kind of have to go in and, and perform. Um, and, and so I love that, but, but ultimately I was still in the government, right? Um, now jumping into private practice or private practice, uh, private sector, I didn't really know what to think. Um, I enjoy it. And in hindsight, I could never go back to the government because on the outside, you have to, you have to sink or swim on your own merit. Right. And, and people are certainly willing to help you. Um, but, uh, similar to what I was doing when I trained guys, which is all that mattered was winning. Um, I'd say on the outside, it's, it's similar. All that matters is winning. Yeah. Um, not, not, not that at the expense of, you know, necessarily other people, but, um, I like the competitive nature of it. I like the fast paced nature of it. Um, but it's different because in the government, 
we don't sell anything. We buy things. We yeah. buy things from everybody. Um, my job currently, you know, our company sells things. And so that was a big learning curve for me. I, I, I had to kind of sort that out in my head and kind of understand that and learn some different language and, you know, come to find out all the public speaking I've done, um, just the confidence you gain, you know, I, I was, I'd say I'm pretty good at it just naturally. Um, but, but it was different because you go from buying things to now you're the person on the other end of the table trying to sell it. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, although I have nothing to do with it, um, you know, Sitka just started, um, a military division, um, selling to special operations guys. So, um, I literally could be on the other side of that table, uh, that I used to be on. So yeah, really unique, really unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. You got to see both sides of it. Um, and like a really high level, you know, and, uh, I have quite a few buddies that are special forces or, you know, military or whatever. And they, uh, like a lot of the same comparisons come up, uh, that you talked about as far as the competitiveness and the similarities. Uh, I personally disagree <laughs> because if we lose, we lose a game. If you lose, you're probably going to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it stays a little higher. Uh, yeah. It, but it, I, I do understand the competitiveness and the na- the nature of, uh, you know, everybody involved and, there are definitely a different mindset, you know, like in baseball now I'm back coaching and, and uh, a lot of the buddies that I came that I've known, you know, while I played that were, uh, you know, either Navy SEAL or Rangers or whatever are doing like mental skill stuff with, uh, with major league teams now and, yeah, and yeah. Te- team building stuff. And like, uh, cause the team, you know, is, is so important. And, you know, with the SEALs, for example, which I've got, you know, know quite a few of, you know, people that have come through there that, um, you know, they talk about team and, and, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link and all the other stuff. But, like, it's it's so different. Like, they, you know, they're like, it's the exact same. And I, like, I disagree because if somebody lets you down out there, like, you literally die. Um, you know, here it's just we didn't win that game. But <laughs> they, they compare it the exact same. Well, at least but. you guys get to live to see another day. Right. right? Yeah. To live to see another pitch. Yeah, we just lose a game. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say the stakes are a little higher, but, you know, but I think the mindset is the same, right? Like, I think I, – I'm just guessing, but I think the mindset it probably requires to be a professional athlete is, is probably the same similar mindset it, it requires to – you know, to be a high-end soldier, um, you know, and, and, and kind of operate in those environments. Um, you know, but you mentioned team and that, that's the biggest, that, that's probably the biggest struggle I had was, you know, I was so used to being in such a tight knit group of people, even though people came and went, you're still a part of this really kind of tight knit organization and you kind of know everybody or, you know, a reputation of somebody and, you know, when, when I left the government and I'm kind of standing there, you know, in my backyard in, in Utah going, what, what, you know, where is everybody? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on my own now. And even though I was confident, you're used to having that kind of infrastructure. And, you know, before we got on the air, we were talking about, you know, meeting friends. And, you know, I'd said once I got out of the military and I think Cody, you said, you know, kind of you'd, got out of baseball for a while and you start meeting people outside of your immediate kind of peer group. And, uh, and over the years I've been able to build a great group of friends again, right. And Mm -hmm. kind of my team, so to speak. And that's been really rewarding. I mean, I didn't really know anybody, uh, except people I worked with, 
you know, one, yeah. cause you didn't have a lot of time to socialize really. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you didn't have a lot in common with those, everybody else, you know, outside of that. And, uh, and so that's been really cool, but it's taken some time to kind of build that out. And of course you have some friends that you keep in touch with, like, you know, Brock mentioned my buddy, Andy, that we are friend and, right. um, but, but it is cool to kind of meet, you know, kind of grow that, that peer group again. It is. Yeah. I, I agree with that, you know, wholeheartedly the, the guys that I played with and, you know, I was with 11 teams over 18 years playing. So like I, I wasn't ever with anybody for a really long time. So it was always meeting new guys, you know, and I have a few guys that, that I played with for a long time that were, you know, really good friends and, and guys from high school or college that I still have. And But aside from that, it was like, you know, it was new guys every year, kind of like you talked about teams rolling over or whatever. And, yeah. you know, since you get out, now you are at home and, you know, I'm back coaching now, but I'm still, like, home most of the time. And you do get to meet the new people and kind of keep that same small circle. And it's uh, it's kind of cool to, to, to do that again. You're right. You know, that's – for me, it's been kind of kind of nice to, to have a group that's been – um, you know, they have a lot of same uh, similarities and in, in interest and, and um, you know, goals and, and things they like to right, right. give back and mindset and stuff like that. It's kind of fun to see that away from uh, just the game, you know. Yeah. You know, I find kind of interesting is just recently, it's probably the same time around Cody, but I, I realized I needed friends outside of my work. And, mm-hmm. and Cody helped me make that, you know, Cody, Dudley, you know, John and um, right. Andy and then Caleb from George, you know, mm-hmm. the, it was all these guys that like made me realize like, okay, I can have some friends from work, but having friends outside of work is really important too. Cause now I don't have to talk about trailers every day. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it helps my mind clear out and relax, and then I'm sharper when I go back to work. So exactly, you gotta gotta clear the mind. But a you know, bit. when I'm hanging around like some high level guys that like you, Jonathan, John Dudley, Bert Soren, everybody's willing to make the same sacrifice for their company, mm-hmm. and I find that similar no matter where you're at. Or what you do. If you're successful, you probably have a really similar path of what it took to get there. And no matter, it just might be, what you do might be a little different. But sacrificing time, that's definitely happening. Having an upset wife because you're gone all the time, that's going to be right there. And usually the ones that make it have a pretty good wife. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, if they stay around, yes, they do. And I know and John has a good wife. She's stuck around, right? Yeah, yeah you know, one of the one, one of the, the, giggle the biggest <laughs> accomplishments in my life, actually. Um, yeah, in September, this September, I'll have been married 30 years, which oh, is geez. insane. Congrats. It's absolutely insane to say that, right? But, um, yeah, now, you know, my wife is in the military as well, so that oh. kind of helped because she's very understanding. What did she um, do? I, so she was, uh, she was in the Navy for a little bit, um, but she was in the Air Force. She was in something called combat camera. So uh, she was a camera person that would deploy and take photos of either, you know, joint operations or, you know, certain 
overseas actions and she's flown in F-16s and I mean, she's gone to survival schools. Uh, she's, she's had a great career on her own. Um, that's pretty cool. How long did she serve? Uh, uh, 28 years. Oh, jeez, yeah. man. You guys got yeah. to thank her too then. Dude, Yeah, she beat me by two years though and she never lets me live it down. Oh, that's what wives do, man. Like, they they got to keep us humble. That's like, all part. Yeah. yeah. I said one thing to my wife when we were dating and Cody's heard this is I made some comment. I thought I was being funny about my, my chest being better than other guys' chest. And she has not let me... Like I'm, it's once a week she brings it up. She brought it up on the podcast. Like she, if there's some good material, wives are worse than any seal platoon, any of your buddies that will just hammer you because it's more a marathon with the wives. It's not just like well, I hope week. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you know, you mentioned like all those guys and kind of similar traits, and I mean, I I think that's probably true. You know, I bet there, I bet you there's. I know, you know, there's similar traits of successful people. I mean, no matter what you're doing, um, you know, for me though, that, you know, I, I have to credit. Yeah, it was, it wasn't that long ago. I'll bet you it was near the end of my career, you know, my military career. I don't know why I'm just kind of pondering like how to get where I got, how lucky I was and this and that. And I had kind of dismissed publicly to people in conversation that, you know, I didn't have any mentors and, and what a foolish statement I'd made. Cause it, it dawned on me as I was kind of going through my career that every, um, kind of big decision points, every kind of monumental move that, you know, advanced me to wherever, you know, that next level was, um, was absolutely due, uh, to, to a mentor, right? Like somebody who took the time to, you know, give me advice, cared enough to, you know, spend the time and, um, you know, saw some, I don't know, saw something in me that, uh, you know, that maybe I didn't see him in myself at the time. And so now, you know, I, I have to credit those people because I realized, my God, like I've had several mentors, like five for sure. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, that really help you kind of, Move, you, you know you, how you said you got to look in the mirror, yeah. Kind of be your own worst critic, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly our wives, you know, help us, you know, ground us. Yeah. Um, but those mentors are there too to kind of like say, hey man, like you know, change your perspective or you know, yeah. do the hard thing. You know, you just kind of need that motivation sometimes. Yes. Um. So you know that's been a huge thing, and and honestly, even even uh outside. Uh, of the military now, you know, there's, there's been a few, um, that have certainly helped. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think we get anywhere by ourselves. Um, I think we definitely need, need the help of, of the kind of network we build around us. Yeah. I, I think you bring a great point up and that's you, someone went out of their way to give you some advice. And the key there is that you decided to take them up on their advice and do it. I don't know how many people I've pulled aside or asked my opinion on what to do. And I'm sure you're the same way. I'm sure Cody's the same way. And you tell them what to do. And they're like, I, I, I'll do it better. <laughs> and then and you're like, why'd you ask? <laughs> and then, you know, like a couple months later, they're failing. And you're like, well, I told you what to do. 
like would you like to retry and <laughs> it's it's amazing you know if you told me what to do in the outdoor space i'd be like i'm listening like because i realized that i specialize in what i do but there's other people are better than me in other spaces i don't have to be the best at everything it's okay it's okay not to be the best at everything and the more i realize that i can absorb the learning process and become better so I, I think yeah, but you know that takes some humbleness on your part because as successful as you are in business, right? Um, it may be easy to just assume that that you know everything and can and can make it work. But I think we I think it is good to be a little humble and well, and uh, I think business, listen to your peers. You have to continually learn and get better. If you don't, you're gonna fall. You're gonna get mm-hmm. worse. You know, and you know I'm sure you guys. I know how you guys work at making new products and all the products that I do get are amazing. And to say like, Hey, we can be better. We can make better stuff that, that, that requires some humbleness too. Cause you know, there's, I'm sure there's companies out there that said they did make the best stuff and they're kind of not relevant anymore. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting thing. You know, when you're, when you're making a product and you're, you're putting it out there for the world to critique, you know, um, one, you have to have a thick skin Two, I think you have to be pretty confident in what you're doing. Um, but, but you have to, but you have to also be humble enough to go. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I could make it better. You know, I mean, there's been some things we've, we've launched that I was convinced were perfect and they were, I think at the time, nine months, a year later, I'm already working on updating them, you know? Um, but I think that constant, and, and I'll bet you you're the same way with your business. I'll bet, you know, Cody, you, you're, you're the same way either with your coaching or, or when you're playing, like, like it, it's kind of like this, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I wonder if I'm, if I've ever been happy cause I'm like always looking for the next improvement, always looking to do better, you know? And that can be kind of a tough place to live sometimes. Well, we, we've talked about that yeah. multiple times on this and that we kind of are both always like that. And like, are, is it ever going to be good enough or is it ever going to be um, satisfied, you know? And the answer is probably no. It's a common, real common denominator in everybody that we've talked to that has Success, been successful, yeah. uh, whether it's athletically, you know, business, you, you name it. Um, they're all, they all kind of have that. And to a, to an extent, you know, some are better at kind of turning it off and, um, you know, getting away from it. And some aren't as good like myself, Yeah, I, but, yeah. <laughs> but the thing, like the humility part, um, that you, you talked about, like people ask and, and, you know, uh, we ask and we have mentors and get help. And it's, I think it's the biggest part is just allowing them to help. You know, we all think that that we know and, and, you know, we can do it without the help, but man, it gets so much easier when you have help and you're able to, to kind of listen and, and, uh, learn from other people's mistakes as well as your own and, and kind of move on and, and take that advice and not be too proud to take it. And not, you know, that's a big, that was a big learning experience for me later on. Um, that, man, that would be a lot easier if I just did that instead of being stubborn and, <laughs> Being, being a dumb, yeah, I think that dumbass. for me and you know, for me anyways, it came, it, it wasn't, it didn't come for a while. You know, it, it came with some maturity. It came from 
from getting my butt kicked mm-hmm. um, and getting knocked down a bunch. But, uh, but you know, um, when you're making a product, you know, a, a physical product you're going to put in the market and sell, um, you know, I think it was Seth Godin or somebody says, you know, you got to ship it. Like, you got to ship the product because if you don't, then it, 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 it's not worth anything, right? Like, if you don't ever put it in the market, and if you sit there and go, well, I could make it 1% better and I could make it half percent better. And it's kind of an odd, it was kind of an odd thing for me to try to figure out. It's like, listen, this is, this is as good as I can make it like today, this year, you know, whatever. And I, who knows what the future holds. And, um, and, and so you kind of like have to, you know, get the guts to go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm finally going to ship it. And I think you can, you can kind of hide behind this, this, uh, you know, this, this false narrative of, well, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And it's like, no, it's good enough, man. Like you got to put yourself out there and kind of, and kind of do this. And, you know, nobody ever knew who I was and, and that's the way I liked it. Never had social media, nothing, you know? And then all of a sudden here I am selling product and, you know, my company's got me in some marketing and I'm like, oh, this is very, very uncomfortable for me, you know? Um, but you got to do that, right? I mean, we all have to do that to, to kind of be as successful as, as we want to be. Yeah, I think you definitely hit it on the head there. So, um, so we're going to reverse back a little bit, but I was always curious. So when you went on deployments, what role did you play on the deployments? Like, where were you stationed? And what kind of role did you play? So before, um, when I was younger, I was living in the Philippines. I deployed for the first Gulf War. Um, didn't really do a whole lot. We did some diving in the Gulf, rode around in some land, land rovers, land cruisers, I forget. Um, not even Toyotas back at the time. And then, uh, you know, no, they weren't Hiluxes at the time, but uh, at least not that I remember. It's been a long time. That's been a long time ago. But um, And then, you know, pre-war, it was just, um, you know, go to Thailand for an exercise, go to North Korea, or not North Korea, South Korea for an exercise, you know, Singapore on occasion, um, Guam, places like that. Post-war, it was different because I was, I was, teaching right so we would call it um uh, people call it different things i would deploy when i needed to for the for the period of time that i needed to um i'd go there i'd help guys um get them kitted out help them get in and out of areas um and this was early on you know i would say the first five years and then after that once everybody kind of got up and running then i didn't really go anywhere anymore so um, you know, I was getting more senior, I was running, running, managing the training. Um, but you know, 90 days, probably about as, as long as I would go anywhere, um, at any one time. Um, it could be a couple times a year and then that could be, you know, once every year and a half, it really depended. There was no kind of set schedule because I wasn't on a, I wasn't on a team. I was supporting like basically any team that needed us. If, if that makes any sense. Um, how soon after the split that um, the owners had, 
did you come into the arena? Are you talking to Chica? Yeah. Yep. Uh, it was it was uh, probably four years after that split. So, you know, the other brand was kind of up and running. Sitka had moved. You know, they'd moved from California to Bozeman. Um, so I, I would guess four years. Okay. Three, three for sure, maybe four. Let's see, I got there in 20, I got there January 2015. So I think, uh, I'd say three years. Yep, three years. When did Sitka really, like, take off? Uh, I mean, it's always been pretty successful since I've been there. But yeah. uh, I, I would tell you in the last two years, I think it's really kind of got some juice behind it. Some mainstream um, juice. Yeah, you know, about the time, about the time John, um, you know, Dudley kind of got on board, um, we were picking up steam, um, you know, he's definitely helped us. Um, so to give you, to give you an idea, when I got there six and a half years ago, I was a 12th employee. There were 12 of us and I was number 12. Jeez. Yeah. And I think we're four times that big now, maybe five. Yeah, like. 50 to 60 employees. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 50, 60 employees. We just, uh, we just moved into a new building that's substantially bigger than the one we, we previously occupied. Um, and then we just opened, it's kind of a soft launch. We haven't done the kind of the big grand opening, but we just launched our first retail store here in Bozeman. Oh, um, sick, uh, retail store. Yeah, it's called the Sika Depot. Uh, it's an old train depot, farm and oh. feed store right on the railroad tracks. That's right, awesome, right next dude. to our building. I'm yeah. flying up there, dude. So yeah, I think we we're going? gonna do. I think we're gonna do the grand opening this, uh, you know, this summer when, you know, hopefully restrictions relax and, you know, maybe some of these pack events are going on. But uh, but it's a cool place. It, it's. Yeah, I would say it's um, it's similar to kind of like the Yeti flagship store where it's kind of this, you know, experience, like come in and, and see what Sitka is all about. And obviously there's, you know, more gear in there than you're ever going to find in any other store, you know, more Sitka gear than any other store. Um, we've got a repair facility in there where you can bring in, you know, things to get repaired and um, you can actually watch them repair them while, while you're, you know, if they're not busy while, they're, while you're standing there. Huh. That's a cool thing, but it's only been open, uh, boy, uh, two weeks, maybe wow. three, Jeez. something like that. How yeah, much of brand a role, new. How much in the role of that did you have? Uh, not not too much. I mean, talking about the product, looking at some of the displays. We got some new, we got some new kit coming out here. It's going to drop uh, middle of June. Just kind of working on, you know cause it's kind of unique. So, you know, how it's displayed and what it looks like and kind of the, the messaging behind it to make sure they're, you know, getting it right. Cause you know, everybody wants to make it as cool as possible. Right. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, I'm certainly not a marketer per se, but you know, if, if it's a product I develop and you know, specifically if it's a product that kind of came out of my head, you know, I, I, I like, in that regard, I'm, I'm a guy, right? So it, it's been nice to, to have them ask me specifically about that kind of stuff and, and just kind of play a role. Like I said, you know, I'd, 
I, you know, I joined, I joined the business to, to kind of build product and be in product development. But, uh, you know, as you know, I'm sure like when you're in business, like you, you do a lot of different things and, and you kind of do what you need to do. So, you know, I do some sales stuff and I do yeah. some marketing stuff and wear a lot of hats. Um, yeah. You know, and not that I'm an expert at those other things, but, um, but it, but at times I'm kind of, you know, maybe the voice that, that they need for, for certain things. And, and I like that. Like I like being involved. I don't want to do, I don't want to do the same thing every day. I want to have it. I want to have it mixed up, you know, and I, I don't, I don't mind uh, doing a little of this and a little of that. And, um, that keeps it interesting to me, you know, it keeps me, keeps my energy up, keeps me charging ahead. Yeah. I like that too. I really, what you just said right there is what draws me to what I do more than anything is because every day is something new for me, you know? Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. I think you'd get so bored if you were doing the same thing every day. I couldn't, couldn't see you doing that. No, no. I, <laughs> anybody that knows me, that's not happening. Or there'd be a lot of Amazon purchases. Or sick purchases. It would just, I'll tell you this, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Like, I can, I guarantee you, the wife might be monitoring the credit card when I go up to the see the sickest store. I'm going to have to use a different credit card she's not monitoring. Just let, me, let me know. So, might have to bring cash for just that let one. Me know. There you go. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if we take Bitcoin, but uh, the Bitcoin. best maybe. Yeah, there you just need one dog coin. Just need one. You buy the whole store. Yeah, one. I'm, yeah, dude. We're sold out. Yeah. Oh, quick question: How's COVID treated Sika? Uh, we've we've done exceptionally well, um, and, and I'll I'll kind of give you a high level why we. Uh, we, uh, we, we landed on a really good inventory position, right? Yeah. So, you um, stocked up before COVID if you hit. got, exactly. If you got inventory, uh, in your warehouse and you got inventory coming and a pandemic hits, you know, you're probably going to be okay. And, um, you know, I would generally go to Asia once a year and, um, that what that didn't happen, you know, and, and when I go, it's to put the final touches on something and, and kind of like sign off literally sometimes on the garment, like sign off and go, okay, this is done. Well, they do, they'll do a demo for you and you go check it out. Make sure it's okay. Now produce like however many. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Start commercialization. Um, you know, we, we realized really quick that we weren't going to be able to do that. And so, you know, we pivoted and started doing, you know, uh, video calls and things with, with the factories. And, you know, it's a little bit difficult because although they always have, you know, one or two people that speak English, you know, it's never their first language. And, um, oh, I got a yeah, we, Chinese engraver and I got the how to video. I didn't know it came unassembled <laughs> and it gave me the how to video. And even though they're speaking English, I don't know if that helps me out a lot. <laughs> right in Spanish next time. <laughs> Can they do it in Spanish? I know that language pretty good. Yeah. I can tell you sometimes it, it tests my patience, but I just think, you know what, it, as difficult it is for me to understand them, I'm sure it's the same for them to understand me. Yeah. Um, but ultimately you get it done. You know, you you draw things and you communicate and they can certainly read, you know, English, the people that you're talking to and, and, uh, you know, it definitely makes you a better communicator, but, but to, to answer your question, um, you know, we, we've done well. Um, you know, I don't know if, if anybody's actually, you know, out of the, 
the woods, so to speak. I mean, it's crazy. It's it still seems like going on. Like, yeah, supply chain right now is horrible, and like new. So things. that's what I was going to say, and it's very unsure, right? Like raw yeah. materials. Like, yes, yeah. As an example, you can't you can't build a garment if you don't have thread, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so for you know, threads is threads a shortage, or you can't do a jacket without a zipper. You know, you can't build a trailer without wheels. So it's like yeah. one little thing though can shut down a whole a whole production line. Yeah. Um, and I'm not. Yeah. I think this year we have just begun to see that happen. Yeah, is, that, so like, is that why the the stock of sol- hunt, uh, solids is always out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, the, I'll the, tell you, uh, I think the, you're going to see a big. Uh, I think you'll see a big. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, right, you have to take bets on certain things and um, things that you didn't take bets on, yeah. and then you're like, oh, we should. It, it's just taken longer. Like, the, yeah. the lead times now are longer than ever before. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think you'll see that change here, um, you know, soon enough well, in, in like a big the way. The vaccine's out. Like, it's got to end sometime, right? Like, like nothing <laughs> makes sense to me. Like, like well, why? it depends it's who you're asking. Do, do things I mean, have to make yeah. sense anymore, bro? I know. It, like, no, well, I know right. it depends who you ask, but it's like I check the vaccine rate every day and just see where the U.S. is, and like they're cranking on vaccines out there. And yeah. The, oh yeah, it's nose diving. Well, like uh, I mean, I would tell you Montana's open for business, you oh, know. Arizona's and once you get way. out, yeah, once you get outside of Bozeman here. I mean, I live outside of Bozeman, out in the country, but I mean, you you won't find a mask in Montana outside of one of the. You better the, be really careful. You're going to be overpopulated in Montana real quick. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Never already. mind. I mean, Dude, they, we're wearing them everywhere. Yeah. I'm fine if people well, move here. Well, just so everybody knows, uh, it snowed 18 inches in the mountains two days ago, and it was uh, end of April. So, Dude, the climate change. <laughs> oh, man, climate's changing to snowing. It was 100 here today. Yeah, you know what's crazy? Oh in my God. Flagstaff, <laughs> Arizona. Snowed on the weekend. No, it snowed. Yesterday. It snowed Mon Tuesday, yesterday. Wednesday. When did I go to yes, fly? Wow. Tuesday. 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 It, it snowed six inches <laughs> mm-hmm. in Flagstaff, and then today was unbelievable. Yeah, it was Monday. Well, Tuesday and Wednesday here were cool, like seventy. Yeah. yeah. For a high, mm-hmm. and today jumped up to not cool. Yeah, you and would, then this weekend's even hotter. not cool. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's climate change that you know nothing makes sense. But, I guess that's. But I think the more you know, the warmer the weather gets, everybody's getting outside. Like everybody's got cabin fever, you know, either just from winter ending or their states had them locked up for a year, whatever it is. But like, once you get outside, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Brock. I think you know, in my opinion, it's it's already kind of going down and. if that you, vaccination yeah. rate in Montana is pretty pretty high, you know. I, I know in Utah it was like almost ninety percent. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, at some point, you know, the fear mongering is going to go away because everyone's going to be like, "Okay, hey, this, you know, it ain't true what they're saying." Like, people are, you know, we don't like if you got the vaccine, you're like, what? I I read a meme. It said, "How will we know if the vaccines work?" Will the survival rate go from 98.7, 99.7 to 99.8? <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm, I'm a little uh, concerned on our end with me working for, for baseball and major league baseball now. Like I'm a, I'm a little concerned that at some point that they're going to try to make it mandatory for uh, staff. Vaccines. Yeah. Like, I, and I, 
it's not happening now, and it's, well, I, I'm just saying it's my concern because it's they're making it available for us. Yeah, and they'll like come to the clubhouse and do it. But like, I'm just a little concerned that like they're gonna make that be. It's a personal choice. For me, it is. Yeah, I think but, it's but what I'm saying is, an employer, if they want, can do that. That's crazy. That's crazy. it. Yes, but it's their right. Yeah. I don't necessarily well, I agree think, with it. Well, I think, you know, it's an example. <laughs> I don't agree with I mean, it. An airline, I mean, an airline. what I want to do, but. Yeah, but an airline could tell you that, as an example, you know, if you get your vaccine, they got these little cards. I don't uh-huh. know if you remember, they were talking yeah. about this vaccination passport. Um, but, you know, they don't they don't need to let you get on their plane if you haven't been vaccinated. Right. And that's their right, right? They're a, right. Private, a privately owned business. Or, you know, Canada, they can open their border, but they're not going to let you in without a vaccination card. So well, that's one um, of the I, I got vaccinated and that's right there. Canada is the primary reason. Cause I have a Yukon hunt coming on coming up. It's gotta, oh really? It's gotta be open though. Yeah. And so I'm just doing my part so I can get in. So if they say, Hey, you got vaccinated. I already got vaccinated. We're good to go. Is it this fall Brock? You yeah. Going? Yeah. Moose in late September after Deseret. So awesome! Yeah, that's the plan. Last year it was supposed to be last year. It got canceled. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I had some buddies who were supposed to go up on a brown bear hunt in Alaska. I guess it was mm-hmm. last year, <clears throat> and of course, <clears throat> excuse me, that was yeah, that was last year. And so you're like, okay, well, what's going to happen? I got friends still up there, and and Alaska was cool. And they're like, listen, everybody who drew last year, um, you get to go this year. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, bump everything a year, and uh, you know, and so obviously Alaska's open for business, so you know, guys are going up there right now. But man, those poor outfitters in Canada, oh and they're not going to be able to survive. I mean, they don't. Well, I, I think only guys. the the very best are going to be able to survive if if they don't have a fall season. I mean, uh, how are they going to make a living? How would the very best make a living? I mean, you had their spring last year and their fall. Now the spring's not going to be available this year. If they don't have their fall, they're done so unless they get some government sus- subsidies, which I, I've i talked to two outfitters in Canada, and they said the government has helped them out zero compared to our government that's, like, throwing wow. money at everybody. <clears throat> yeah. So. It's sad, man, because obviously some of those people are our friends, right? Yeah. And um, yep. you, you don't want to see them suffer like this. And, uh, you, you know, I've, I've never wanted to give them my money so bad in my life. Uh, no. just, but I also want to go see him. Like, I just want to go see some friends. Yeah, exactly. uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I went and hunted last, uh, November in, in Mexico. Are you and, in Mexico, uh, dude? Where'd you hunt down there? Yeah. Uh, Whitetail. Whitey's in, uh, Coahuila. Is that south of Texas? Where's yeah. That just over the border of, from Del Rio. Okay. And, uh, but dude, so November, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to fly, you know, and no issue. And you would not have known there was a pandemic going on in the world going across the border. And once you were in Mexico, like Seriously. it was just, no, it was just business as usual. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure part of it is they, they, they need that for their economy, you know? Yeah, they're not dumb. Um, but Canada is just, it's almost like this just completely arrogant and ignorant stance are taken. Well, um, the, the big city politics don't understand 
Because, you know, Canada is a lot of tiny little small towns, right? So it's like they just don't understand these guys. They don't understand how much money they're losing every year in tax money that they get, all the tax money yeah. they're getting. I have to think they're going to make a way. I, I guess that's hopeful thinking, thinking the government would try to help their citizens out, you know, but <laughs> I, 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 it's just hopeful thinking, I guess. Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Ruly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Ruly White is family-owned and operated and has now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at rollywhite.com. Um, yeah. I, well, you know, dr- draws, you know, the, the percentage of people applying for tags down here in the U.S. has gone up considerably. Oh, my gosh. And part of that is because you can't you can't travel and, yeah. and go other places, you know. Arizona, but, like, I was supposed to get a tag in Arizona this year with how many points I had. And I didn't. And I was shocked. And I was like, how did it go up this much? Like, I put in for <laughs> a unit that the year prior took three less bonus points than what I had. That means wow. there's like a four bonus point creep from last year to this year. And it's wow, that's exact, absurd, huh? That's exactly what you said. Like, people are putting in all over the place because they can't go anywhere else. So, yeah. And yeah. I, I know the reservations here, like in Arizona, you had to pay for your tag last year and you couldn't hunt. Like, oh, wow. You, you, and if you didn't pay, then they gave your tag to somebody else permanently. Yeah, because it's one of those. If you 
if you if you don't go a year, your tag you kind of give up your tag, yeah, and so your they, spot. They yeah, don't, they don't care if you go. You just got to pay your money to hold your spot. Wow. To right, hold, hold your spot. Yeah, it's really sad. But you know, mm. guys buying those tags probably got a little bit more money, disposable income, than the average person. Um, there was a couple things I want to get into. Um, the cat. That was definitely something. Your cat. Oh, yeah, my 20-pound Maine Coon. Oh, my gosh. That thing's huge, man. When you posted a picture of that thing, I'm like, what? what are you so, f- Cody Cody probably doesn't know this, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell this story. Um, so, a couple years ago, Cody, uh, well, when I started working for Sitka, I got an Instagram account because I wanted to, you know, see what was going on with social media and see what other brands are doing and just, you know, kind of – see if I can, what the trends are and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I literally got it for work and I had no idea what it was. Yep. And, uh, so anyways, about a year into it, these guys start giving me a hard time. My friends start giving me a hard time about, you know, no pictures and this and that. And Dudley was one of them. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, screw it. I'm going to post a picture and I'm going to, I'm thinking, what is the most absurd thing I could post? on Instagram that nobody would suspect. And what I posted was a picture of me like kind of like cuddling this giant Maine Coon cat. And that's what I posted. (laughs) And of course everybody just howls, you know, with laughter and this and that. And then about a year after that, they're giving me a hard time again about when are you going to post another picture? When are you going to post another picture? And honestly, I had actually forgot how to do it from the first time (laughs) because it'd been so long. So in the process of posting the second picture, I mistakenly deleted the first picture. (laughs) So I deleted the first picture, but I was able to post a new one. Well, the commentary was all about, oh my gosh, I can't believe you deleted your first picture. Like, that's hilarious. And I didn't know it was a thing. And so I said, okay, well, I'm only going to ever have one picture on Instagram, but I will change it on occasion. So I did that a few (laughs) times. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, and it was hilarious because the second time, or I guess it'd be the third time I was actually having a hard time figuring out how to delete a picture off Instagram, <laughs> even though I'd done it already, you know? On accident. Yeah. And, uh, so then I had my 50th birthday and, uh, my buddy Sloan and Dennis from, uh, Yeti, uh, my wife reached out to him. And anyways, I got these Yeti tumblers and they had taken that picture and had their art department make a caricature of me and my cat and put them on the Yeti tumblers for my 50th birthday party. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so that's the so, first post so right then, now that's showing up so on your that, Instagram account. So that's the, yeah, because the other pictures I ended deleting, right? So that's, I was like, you know what? I can never delete that one. No. Um, and then, and then, you know, long story short. So then, you know, eventually I started posting, but, gotcha. um, but this cat, so I, I want to do this thing, Brock, where like I do a video or something. I'm just sitting there talking something about, you know, real serious because, you know, I got to look real serious mm-hmm. and I want the cat to just like walk through the frame because <laughs> I swear this thing thinks he's a dog. Yeah. He thinks he's a dog. His name's Duke and he's Duke. got like the dog's name. Remember, remember when you said, when you look in the mirror, like how you see yourself and how the world sees you. Well, I think when Duke looks in the mirror, he sees a full maned African lion. I'm I'm almost <laughs> convinced of it. <laughs> hey, man. 
Like, little right? does he know, right? My English bulldog that weighs 100 pounds, he thinks he's like a sporty Doberman. <laughs> Until he runs 10 yards and then he's like, falls over breathing. I, I know. I'm not a. Like, you can leave the door open, all the gates open, and no, my dog will not run away. Really? He'll get too tired. No, he'll, he gets to like halfway from the door to the street and he turns around. He's like, <laughs> right, too far. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, so you know, so that's that's. The I see cat the cat. Thing. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture now. I see the cat on the on the Yeti cup. So then, yeah, and to top it, uh, I mean to <laughs> add to it, not top it. And then you got John Dudley. He has his uh, his release holder. Have you seen that? You know what has picture of so you I, and a cat. So I over. I have. So here's the thing. So he posts that. And it's this, uh, it's this Kydex holster, Cody, for uh, archery release. Mm-hmm. And um, he posted on his page, and I, I look at it, or somebody sends it to me, and I look at it, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. And I literally thought it was Photoshop because it's, like, so ridiculous <laughs> that it's, it's this picture. It's <laughs> that same picture I told you of me holding that cat. Uh-huh. And he's got it. Somehow it's printed on this Kydex archery holster. 3D print. And I thought it was fake. Hologram. I thought it was fake, and everybody's like, "No, no, it's true." And last year, Brock, at one of the TAC events, yeah, I said something to Johnny. Goes, "Oh, you mean this one?" And I'm like, "Oh my yeah. god, he really made this thing." Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> it was in Colorado. He showed it to me. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want one." <laughs> my face and my cat on this Kydex holster. It's so hilarious. It's so, but see, think pretty highly of you, dude. Turn I think he face. had it all season. He had that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think it's funny though, that, you know, you go from like making fun of something and then it kind of takes on a life of its own. Right. Yeah, and well, then like, it becomes, it becomes this thing. So I'm like, I'll own it. I'll, I'll own it. I don't well, care. That's the only I'm way to do things. You just own it. <laughs> you have to. I think there's more, like, when you own it, now people just, instead of making fun of you, they just have fun with it, right? They're like, exactly. If you can't laugh at yourself, yep, yeah, you got to be There you go. There so you go. Yeah. I, I can't go along with it because you know you're going to talk shit about somebody else. I think <laughs> I think the next step for you on Instagram would be getting Duke his own page. And then <laughs> all Duke does is talk shit to people. That would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Him talking shit to Andy. You know Andy's gonna respond to that. Oh yeah. Andy'll respond with his little Kool-Aid actual dog, but hell yeah. That would be <laughs> hilarious. I think you just started He's, something. Hey, who's that little tiny uh what that gopher called Kool-Aid? <laughs> I think Duke versus Kool-Aid. Groundhog Day. Who wants it? Oh my god, I love it! Yeah, that cool. See, Brock, that's why you're in business, man. That's a, that that idea is gold right there. Oh, that's you need to do it, man. Like I've seen these dog pages. They like, oh they're, yeah, they're a hit. Like yeah. Marshall, Joe's dog, Marshall, is like how many followers? That guy has like a million followers. Well, yeah, oh context god. here. Like, yeah, I, I is yeah. Joe, and it's <laughs> Joe's dog. If he puts it out there, then obviously all his followers are going to follow the dog. But yeah, yeah. I, I think Duke. But it is funny, right? But it is funny that yeah. you can do that. And yeah. the next step right, for like Duke humans have is start soliciting 20. for sponsorships. Duke has sponsorships. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> <laughs> A little. Well, I, 
do some I, uh, YouTube videos of him. Like he'd be Duke, rocking the world, dude. Duke's got too big of an opinion of himself already. I don't oh, think he needs sponsorships. Oh, we need. All of a sudden, he's got he, more toys and treats coming in than yeah. He he's the face of Pet Depot. <laughs> there you go. Hey, it just shows you the absurdity of social media, though, right? right. Oh my yep. gosh! You get the right person to say something. It's you, it's a wrap. You know what? Yep. I used to be. I remember, like, I would see this stuff on because I don't. I have a hard time like posting something of me that is very inaccurate about me because like. Someone's yeah. going to see me eventually, and they're going to be either like, oh, <laughs> it, like, I'm impressed by what I, you, you're better in real life than in social media, but, like, how many times <laughs> someone's better on social media, and then you meet them, you're like, oh, my gosh, that was a disappointment. Like, I'm deleting that guy off Well, my usually page. social media is, like, all your best stuff. Yeah. And the rest of your life isn't anywhere close to that. Well, I. Yeah. For the majority. I, I can't. I can't. Oh, I just have a hard time with that. The whole stuff. I'm like, how can you be so dishonest? I can't, I can't even remember to post in a month. Yeah, I'm like, how can you guys be so dishonest in social media about who you are? I remember. It's I'm not, not dishonest. They just showing their best parts. No, like there's dishonesty going on well, because probably. there's someone, and I'm not going to name this person, <laughs> but I know John knows him, and oh, oh, Cody oh, knows him too. I, do. I don't know if Coda's oh. met him in person, but I know you have. And I used to think this guy had like oh. eighteen inch biceps, I know right? Who like you're talking about. this this guy was just hammered, yoked. And like I knew he was, you know, on the shorter side. But I I thought this well, actually I didn't realize how short he was, but you know, but if you if you just looked at his Instagram page Pretty soon you know, you're like, just gonna say his name if you keep going. <laughs> but you thought he had eighteen inch biceps and then you meet him, you're like, dude, that guy's like a Popcorn fart, man. Like he's what? He's got like, I, I don't mean, think I've ever heard that in my life. He's he's the, he's just a little guy, like, and he's got like thirteen inches. I mean, they're they're. Don't get me wrong. Camrad's ten pounds. Everybody knows that. They, or or eight inches and a couple inches to your biceps. Yeah, yeah. certain angles make things look it's better. As hunters, as hunters, we all know the right angle makes everything look better, bigger. You know? Yeah, somebody was saying, and I don't, I guess I, I don't know, I got an iPhone 7 or 8 or something like that, but I guess some of the newer it's ones rigid. have this, have this, uh, oh, uh, yes, like I, thing on your camera that I don't know if it's wide angle and it just, it zooms out. The way that you take the photo it, and it just blows up these animals to look huge. Oh my, I did some of those pictures just for myself, just to see how ridiculous we could make it. I'm like, whoa, yeah. man. This is a, this hundred and sixty inch buck just looks like a two hundred and twenty inch buck now. I don't have that. Yeah, a, a buddy of ours did that last year. He killed an elk, and he didn't do it on purpose. Like he just genuinely didn't know. Like like I would probably not know, right? Yeah. And me and me and my friend are in another elk camp, going, "Oh my, oh my god, he killed this thing first morning, first day." Like, and it wasn't. You know, still a nice bull, right? But you see, but it, it looked like a four hundred inch elk, and it was like a three twenty, three thirty type of elk. And he's yeah. like, "Oh, I didn't know the setting." But he was honest, and I'm like, "What setting is that?" I want that setting. Yeah, go, we buy, all, yeah. go buy a new phone. Yeah, we, but but you don't know, man. It's it's yeah, it's kind of. 
I think those people are found out. Listen, I've been burned a couple of times by them, right? Just like looking for people to use for certain things, you know, for testing or marketing and think of people are legit. And then it doesn't take too long to talk to them to, to kind of sniff it out and realize what's dealing with. And another thing that was really disappointing for me was the more people I met, the circle gets tighter for me because you think these TV people, like they're good hunters and you meet them like, no, they suck. <laughs> you said it, not me. You uh, said it. I, I'm t- not, I told Brock that I was terrible when I met him, so you can't throw me under the bus. No, like I'm not talking about anybody here. I'm oh, just I know. In a generalistic thing, I'm not pointing anybody out. It's just like the more people I meet, and these people, there's so many people that do not know what the hell they're doing with anything, with shooting archery, with you know their their camo. And it's just all a show. So the one thing I do love about Sika, the guys that work with Sika, they're all legit. Like, they're good dudes. They hunt. They own the product. They use the product. And that's really important to me with a product. Like, you know, a guy that has Sika and then he never hunts, it's like, I don't know if I could buy that product. Well, I think it, I think it comes across as inauthentic somehow, right? If you're not that person, I, I just think the, the consumer is going to sniff it out over time. Yeah, I agree. I think if you're not a hunter though, and you put on the, like the ascent pant, the camels, no, just the solids and you wear them around. Like, I think you're going to be hooked on those pants. They're pretty comfortable. Yeah. The ascent pants, <laughs> like that's okay though, but you don't well, have to they sure, really, you guys are living. Dude, I wear them all the time. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree with that. Like, I wear my my I I have camel stuff. I mean, sick of stuff like the the um the the flannel shirts. They're mm-hmm. amazing in cold weather, and just some everyday gear I really like. Uh, the, my yeah, favorite, I think you guys would be happy because we're going to come out with a lot more of that here oh, soon. That's cool. <laughs> I, the, I think one of my favorite hats from Sitka. There's this hat that they took a picture of a guy's truck and camper on it. And they put it on a hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and wonder where they got that idea. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's, that's cool, funny. dude. I remember, I, I saw it, you, you, I got your hat, that hat, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. There's there's a Mr. Barclow's truck and camper. No, but it's like <laughs> it an, looks old, like, it's, it, yeah. it's an older truck, though, right? Oh, yeah, it, it yeah. is. It's like, uh, I think they use like a late seventies kind of, you know, yeah. just kind of a classic. Yeah. Um, but how legit is that? It's like, yeah, that's cool. You yeah, know, it's totally cool. Are Cause you... we can all relate to it. Even if you don't own one, you can all relate to it. Everybody can relate to that, oh, yeah. you know? So are you bringing your truck and camper back to our hunting spot up at the yeah. North? I, I thought that was a great idea. I, how hot was it in that room in our rooms in there, dude? It was horrible, dude. I couldn't. I couldn't actually let even last one night. Yeah, and I was out of there. Yeah, yeah. I I really want to bring my trailer up there. Um, they told me not to bring my trailer last time. I was, so I'm gonna see if they'll let me bring it this year. And I was gonna just yeah, because it. everybody else had theirs parked up there. Yeah, everyone else had theirs. No room for you. No, no. They told me no. I was like, come on, guys, please, no. It's like okay. I can't even imagine, Brock, what, what your trailer must look like. 
Oh, it's like does, does it look like the, the space say? shuttle? He said, "Oh, it's nothing." This it's guy, not, it's not. It's nothing. <laughs> hey, the first question's got to be which one. <laughs> 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 I don't know which one of your trailers looks like. Oh, uh, one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we we will. Uh, hey, there will be room in it if they let me bring it. You yeah. can stay in it. I'm getting I'm getting ready to order one, and hopefully by June. Yeah, Cody's getting one. Yeah. Cody's. So how's how's your supply chain to jump back to supply chain? Are you guys? Because I know, man, the lots were empty. We even talked about that yeah. last September. You guys able to get more inventory and stuff now? Finally, so we averaged about between all our lots, we have about three hundred units on average. And right now, between all the lots, we have fifty units. <laughs> and wow, uh, the pr- one of the problems, everything that's coming in is spoken for already it's all pre-sold right because like people just put deposits on it and um we actually sold just a tad more than we did the year off our best year we actually didn't sell the most um so it the demand was way up but because of the supply now luckily since we're we're number one tra- toy hauler dealer for a bunch of manufacturers. We are in first priority. So um, a lot of the manufacturers are just taking their top five dealers and supplying them. So yeah. Yeah. We have that advantage, but it just, it's never ending because one week it's, you know, they can't get AC units because there's some piece in that AC units backed up in China. And then, that gets fixed, and then next, it, they like last week's emergency was it couldn't get insulation. Oh wow! Yeah, and we were, we actually bought. We went to all the Home Depots and bought all the insulation for a couple manufacturers <laughs> and wow. sent it over to them to help them out. They're like, "Hey, we need help. We we want trailers, so we just bought all the stuff we could and helped them out." So damn, it's just crazy. I got a buddy in the, I got a buddy in the concrete business. And, uh, I asked him and, you know, I mean, just the place around here is blown up with, with construction has been, but he said that their constraint right now is rebar and without rebar, you're not pouring foundations Yeah, and it's because it's a shortage of steel. Right. Yeah. And, um, I talked to another, a, a knife manufacturer and he's like, yeah, I use ball bearing steel. I can't get, I can't get steel. He goes, ball bearings are everywhere. Right. They're used for everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, but one little part in an air conditioner unit can shut the whole thing down, right? Yeah, it doesn't take much. No, it doesn't have to. Be. Everyone thinks it's like this whole big thing, but like if you like the trucks had a a chip shortage, like GM, and oh wow, I mean that put a yeah. halt on production big time. GM, Ford, Dodge, everywhere. So I hurt Ford really bad. It's just crazy. Everyone has problems. What, no matter what sector you're in, there's something that is lacking. Yeah. Well, like I said, this year going to be the year of supply chain that we got to live through. Yeah. This I always thought it was like, okay, is last year, and then this it kind of just kind of drug on and mm-hmm. kept going, and then you know, if you, I just think about those dealers that or whoever. If you didn't treat your customers right, and you're kind of not a good dude, then those manufacturers aren't going to give you nothing. 
yeah, I don't think you're going to be around, right? Um, like, I don't think you're going to be able to survive. And it's all about a supply, you know, because they're just going to supply the guys they like. And if you're not, if you're a pain in the ass, and you're a pain <laughs> in the ass, that's, this is what great, this is what great is great about capitalism, is that cap, the market has a way, some way, it will flush the turds every once in a while. <laughs> It's going to flush them. Eventually, right? Eventually. Hopefully. You know, the turds might take a new name, and they'll have to get reflushed, but they'll get flushed. It's all good. Eventually. it's You know, you can call it karma. You can call it whatever you want, but it does exist. I but I think that. that's part of what's going on right now is, you know, if you if your business had weakness, if you were on shaky ground already, uh, COVID just exposed that, and, and you're probably not around right now, right? Or you're on the on the verge. But that doesn't mean that, you know, all their businesses aren't going to come back and fill that void. No, um, it's just the, the weak ones are going to go away um, or they're going to get bailed out. But mostly they're going to go away. How is um, your uh, your worker situation? Are you are you short workers looking for them, having a hard time? Like, No, that hasn't been an issue, actually. Hmm. Uh-uh. Um, you know, part of it is, is, as you can imagine, um, people in certain parts of the country don't want to live there anymore. Yeah. So there, you know, there's some talent out there that, that wants to move. And, uh, you know, if you, if you know about them and get you know, hold of them, um, you know, they, they might not have wanted to ever move or foresee themselves moving, but, you know, all of a sudden California or Washington or one of those states all of a sudden isn't as appealing. Uh, to stay anymore, so yeah. especially if you have a good brand for them to go to, yeah, 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 <laughs> and and it's yeah. not like it's not like this is you know somewhere in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Bozeman's a pretty doggone nice place, and everybody wants to move here right now. So yeah. that that's kind of enticing that way as well. Um, no, we're actually I would tell you it's just the opposite. We're we in the past we had some issues. We're not having them right now as far as personnel. Yeah, here's the total opposite. Um, Really? You see a lot of the, you know, that middle range. I would say the working class, you know, what we call the middle class. They're getting these stimulus checks that are, mm-hmm. that you know, they're almost $1,000 a week to stay home. A and, week? Yeah. <laughs> and Jeez, every small business I talk to here locally is having the same problem. Yeah, they're super busy. If they're all good dudes, so they're super busy, and they're having a hard time keeping employees. Because they, yeah, because unemployment's more. Yeah, than, than they're making. It's, it it basically equates to it's about cool. uh, unemployment right now is about twenty five dollars an hour. So if you got a guy making seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour, he legitimately makes more sitting at home doing nothing. So like, so I've heard that, and I just heard it again today that 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 is an issue that people are making more on unemployment than they were when they were working. So unless you're offering them fifty five, sixty, sixty five thousand, like it's hard to get people. But on the other hand, okay, you can make sixty grand and go to work, or you can make like fifty two and not work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unbelievable. So I mean. It's it's really sad. I wish people would see what's happening because that's actually, even though they get to work for nothing, 
that money is going to have to get paid by somebody. And yeah. And at the end of the day, no matter how they phrase it, everybody's paying for it. Everybody. And at some point, that is that is going to dry up. I mean, it is. And yeah. those folks may have a hell of a time finding a job after that, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, the... But for now, it's convenient. The demand will go but down. for now, yeah. The, you know, I think the businesses that we've learned, I personally, our business, well, we cut the fat, we've gotten more efficient, and um, really tightened the... Tighten the bolts up, tighten the seals up on the in our business, mm-hmm. and got better. So we can do more with less. Really figured out what we really need, and so you know we can, you know, we don't need as many people. We need more people in other areas, but some jobs aren't going to be available anymore. Right. So, and it's sad. It's really sad, but you wish people had that drive. I personally, you couldn't pay me a hundred thousand dollars to sit at home. I couldn't do it. Like I, I would go insane. Unless that was a hundred grand, yeah, hundred grand, and you could leave and go do other stuff. I I promise you, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> For a hundred grand, you can go do other stuff. So. Who here? For a couple, you could. Who here has cable or dish network? Do you have cable or dish network? I got dish. Dish. No, no. That's fine. You're cool. I just, I don't have time to watch I don't TV. Have, oh, I don't watch it, but that's what I got. <laughs> we we have have satellite, I got satellite time. internet. Yeah. yeah. I have internet. I, and we, Let's just say that I, uh, I stopped watching pretty much all TV uh, in January. <laughs> you know what? Smart move. Like, how much more stuff you get done now that? See, there's the TV's now. Not you probably I have didn't never. Want. Yeah, but I've never been more productive in my life ever yeah. right, than right now. And it's like you don't miss anything, you know. Like no, I have this anxiety about getting rid of. Like I was like, what about my football? You know, like I like the Cardinals, and I did. I do like to watch local. Like I like to watch Suns. Like to support the D backs, but I really don't miss it at all, at all. You can follow everything on your phone now. So you I know. know just I spend more time with the kids, which is better. Spend more time with the family, the house, and I've really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I, you know, I think one of the silver linings, uh, and and uh, you know, I don't have any children, but uh, you know, I hear other people talk and my family, and but you know, I hope one of the silver linings, and if they don't know it now, maybe they look back and see it in a few years. But you know, when kids look back and go, "Man, that was." that was some of the best time I ever got to spend with my parents or the parents say, man, that was an amazing time. I got to spend with my, you know, teenagers when normally they'd be running all over the place and we got to spend quality time like camping and hanging out at the house and eating dinner together every night. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I hope that if they don't understand it now that they appreciate it, you know, later. Um, and there's more people getting outside, right? I mean, like you talked about your trailers, we talked about hunting tags, like more people are getting outside. They are walking TV. Yeah. And I think those are all great things. I yeah. think those are all great things for, for human beings in general. I do think the COVID has driven the American people to get outside. And yeah, it's gonna absolutely. Be, I think you SICA plays a role in this. I think we play a role in it. I think the power sport community plays a role in it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think 
they're because you guys have seen sales up a lot and you know anybody in the outdoor industry has seen a ton of sales and i feel like we're gonna gain a lot of buyers we already gained a lot so when supply goes up we'll have a bigger you know um pool but Mm -hmm. some of those people die off but i bet there's a lot that stick there you know i bet i agree 50 50 you know there's gonna be people that use it and they love it and they're going to continue. And then there's going to be the group that buys it and just, you know, either sits in their closet or sits in their backyard. And then, you know, they'll sell it in five years when they realize they don't use it. But <laughs> I, I think majority, I think majority of them are going to stick. But yeah, I would tell you there's going to be a net gain. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, people are waiting for this, like, you know, this, um, like on our side, they're waiting for this, like, they think there's, it's going to be this, like, downpour of used stuff because people aren't going to like it. And they're just waiting for their opportunity to buy it on Craigslist or online. And I'm like, you know, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. You know, I, I think you're probably, why, why wait on something you're really unsure of to go enjoy? Because we only have one life to live. Why wait yep. two, three years when you could have spent those two to three years doing what you want to do. Yeah. I I was going to say, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Like if you're waiting around for that, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. Um, there'll there'll be, there'll always be a small percentage, but I think a lot of people are just going to realize that my God, there's a big world out there and it's pretty cool. And like I said, if they got families that they're spending quality time with their, their kids and, and, uh, yeah. So, and, and, and now this, what, this is the second summer now. So I was traveling quite a bit during, you know, kind of the spring break timeline flying. Yeah. I couldn't believe the number. I mean, it seemed like in the airports, the majority of people walk around with families with kids, like even little kids Mm -hmm. traveling, going on vacation, like people have had enough, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and man, if they can get outside and and be healthy and uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's it's going to be a great thing, and I just don't think I don't, they're not all going to give that up and, and go back and sit inside and play video games. Right. No, the home sure the homeschool stuff I think had a lot to do with that. The parents, oh, they couldn't yeah. take it in the house anymore. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I think the wife is usually the wife driving yeah. it. Like yeah. we got to get out of here. Yeah, we're going to murder these. I understand that. Yeah, <laughs> got to get away a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, you know, there's some husbands that were fearful that they the children wouldn't make it not because of the virus. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's more danger. I've heard those stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's in the horizon for you, buddy? Like, do you got some cool hunts planned? Do you have anything upcoming? Um, you know, I'm still trying to kind of sort out the, sort out my hunts. I don't really, you know, I don't, I like we, like you talked, like who knows what the draws bring. Um, I'm, I'm planning right now to go to Alaska, hunt caribou. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Is that mountain yeah, caribou gonna, or barren ground? Uh, they're, they're, they're barren ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so plan on doing that in, in, uh, August, obviously elk in, in, uh, September, um, start bear hunting here in middle of this month here. Um, but kind of, kind of September on, I'm, I'm still waiting to see what the draws bring and, um, but you know, traditionally I'll, 
I'll hunt, uh, you know, I'll hunt, I'll hunt in December into December. Uh, I'm hoping to go back to Texas. I was on an odd dad hunt earlier. Let's see, April, I guess. Yeah. Um, never did kill a ram. So, um, Oh, I shot one guy, guy invited me back. So I'd like to go and, and kind of keep going after them. Yeah. Are you holding um, for a big one? Uh, you know, the conditions I, I shot, I shot and missed a, a pretty nice one. And then, um, archery, archery. Yeah. It was just so windy that arrow just, I don't even know where the arrow ended up, but, um, yeah. And, and because of the wind, it just, we just kept getting winded. Like we get this 70, 80, well, not 70, but 80, 90 yards, hundred yards. And yeah, wind things. would swirl, but, um, man, they're awesome animals. Those are out there, you know? Yeah. They're cool, man. They're fun. They're yeah. Fun. They're definitely fun. Yeah. yeah. So, you have to shoot for an odd at like 80, 90, you think? No, I mean, I, I think, I think anywhere from, you could probably get 30 to 60, I think is pretty reasonable, but really? it just, it was so windy. Uh, it was, yeah. Cause if you can come, if you can come around on top of them, yeah. like if they're kind of in the cliffs, yeah. I mean, you can get right on top of them, you know? Yeah. But the problem was we would do that and we'd circle around and we'd be coming in on them. And even in the middle of the day with the thermals coming up, you know, warm, warm afternoon. And they're winding us like 50 yards, 100 yards below us, below us. And I'm like, this is like, you can't, there's nothing you can do. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't beat the wind. Um, so, but anyways, yeah, I, I missed a pretty nice one. And then, um, yeah, this guy Sloan, um, he killed, uh, I think he shot a 34 inch Ram. That's a ram. big, that's a big Ram. Oh, it was a, it was a stud. That's cool. Yeah, it was wow. a stud. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. awesome how it went down, but yeah. yeah. So you got to get up and get another one. Go yeah. So I'm hoping, uh, hoping to go back in November. I don't think I have any big white dogs playing this year, but, yeah. um, yeah. So you that's, like, that's kind like of what I've tell? got going on. You know, because I grew up in Ohio, I, I don't know why, but because I was never successful, you know, just kind of growing up as a kid trying to hunt them. Um, but I don't know why, but come November, there's something in my DNA that wants to go sit in a tree stand. I don't want to do it any other time of year. The, the, the thought of it right now just turns my stomach. But come November, when those leaves start falling, man, I want to be... I want to be in a tree stand waiting on a whitetail to walk by. So that's awesome, man. I love it. It's just where that. I grew up, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, honestly, after chasing elk all September, I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, sitting down <laughs> and doing that. So yeah, totally, man. What's, yeah. Uh, what's your biggest whitetail? I know we're not trophy hunters, but what's the biggest. Whitetail you know what? Show? I'm not, I'm not very successful trophy hunter I mean, or uh, a whitetail hunter. I, I 150, like right about, right about 150. Um, I've never rifle hunted him. Um, but yeah, right, right at 150. And that was the one I just, uh, I shot in Iowa, you know, last year. Did you, um, where'd, where'd you, where'd you hunt it? Uh, we were, I was on a farm about 20 minutes from Dud's place. Hmm. Right on. I don't know. You have, you been there? No. To, to Dud? Yeah. So his buddy Craig. I was hunting on Craig's place and, um, yeah, I don't know why, man. Whitetails just, they, uh, 
they just like to torture me and, and drag it out. And, um, I'm okay with it, but, uh, but yeah, I've never, I've never, I, the biggest whitetail I ever saw on the hoof, uh, I know what he went. He went 173 and change. So he was a Boone and Crockett whitetail. I was at full draw on him yeah. at 35 yards. Um, a couple of buddies and I used to lease a place in Northern Missouri and I could hear this buck grunting and running and here comes this doe and man, he's right on her tail, you know, sniffing and, uh, they come right by me and, um, uh, uh, you know, trying to get him to stop him at full draw. And I mean, he's just so preoccupied. I'm literally, I, I, I literally resorted to yelling at him. Hey, huh, nice. hey you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but anyways, so we had at least for the month of November. So late season, like late December, a uh, guy killed that deer over turnips, I believe, or sugar beets. Oh. And they went at 173 and change. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome to see a deer that big. I don't um, think people hook, that, but, like, beginner hunters don't understand how cool it is just to have that experience, like have a monster deer. And I know there, it, you always think about it. It's always in your mind because I've been in that spot too where I've totally, well, I've been in a spot where I totally whiffed on some big elk. And uh, mm-hmm. I just think about it all the time, but I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm just always thinking, what if I did this or done something different? But oh, at, the of course. End, at the end of the day, like just having that experience and having your, how intense it gets. I'll, I love it. Yeah. You, yeah. It's El- cool until you don't get to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he kept telling me how yeah. cool my hunts were. Like I had a couple times last year where we got, you know, close, and then they, you know, wind changed or whatever, and they jumped, and I'm calling him. He's like, oh, it's awesome. Kiss my ass. That's not awesome. Oh, I love Awesome would have been if it was shoot. <laughs> it's, I just love the stock. And I yeah, love it's great. Close. Like, Until you don't Here's the thing. Like, if you know me, you know I'm a bull in a china shop. So, like, if I get close, I'm just super close. I'm super excited. I don't care if I shoot. I, like, get so bummed. I'm like, dude, I got 40 uh, yards. Yeah. No. I'm the guy that has to shoot 100 because that's about as close as I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a 100-yard pin. Let's just start at 100 and work our way back from there. Yeah. yeah. Funny, funny. Yeah, I may put some more, more effort into mule deer here in Montana. You know, oh, we don't have – Now you're talking about we don't have – yeah, we don't have big ones like, uh, you know, kind of like in your neck of the woods or Utah. I mean, I love mule deer hunting. Like, I talk about whitetail, but, you know, it, until the, the elk bug really bit me, like, it was all mule deer all the time. You know, early season velvet antlers, like, that just kind of trips my trigger. But, um, oh, yeah. you know, we got decent mule deer. I mean, I think they're pretty good. Um, the couple units are really tough to draw that kind of have, you know, the legendary ones, but you know, you can, you can dig up a one eighty one ninety mule deer around here. Um, oh. if you look hard enough. So to me, that's, that's legit. Yeah. That one eighty. I'll take a one eighty mule deer any day of the week, anywhere. Doesn't that's kind of what I say too. Yep. Yeah. One eighty mule yep. deer. Like I get it. Like you can't shoot a 200 inch buck if you shoot one eighty bucks, but you know what? There's some units that that's perfectly great perfectly yeah that's top that's top end you know so there's units that yeah hold out on pass on a 180 buck because you have an opportunity that you don't get it every year you know if you get like the strip tag or 
Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're not going to shoot that on, on a strip tag, but yeah, like, or certain Colorado units, certain Utah units and you know, the Montana units. I know there's some, some big bucks that come out of there. Um, yeah. We're just not known for it. You know? Yeah. I want, I don't, I don't, it's weird where the big bucks come out of. It doesn't make sense really. Like the strip mm-hmm. doesn't make If you've been to the strip, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like, it, I guess they get old there. But it's just harsh climate. It's really harsh, you know. Yeah, that's the way I see it. I'm like, man, it just how does anything survive out here? You know, let alone get big. Yeah, I, I mean, do but you they talk, do. You know, like the above tree line big mule deer are really cool because that makes sense to me. Like they have plenty of feed, and they just hang out up really high. And it's really tough to get there, so that yeah. all, that all makes sense. But these some of these desert mule deer they get really big it's like how did you get big probably yeah but same with bulls man bulls yeah. get big in the desert too you know yeah. yeah you know you know what's weird is some like some utah units they don't get big but the quantity is way high right but then right. you go yeah. like to some idaho units or get big and i know in some montana units they get really big and it's just it's it must be like a protein ratio on their feed. Like they must have a high protein ratio on their feed. That's what I think it is. I don't, I know that, um, yeah, it has to be. I don't know. Like the soil, minerals, feed. Yeah, you'd think so. It's got to be something like that. Yeah, I could totally geek out with, I could go hours with you about this stuff, man. <laughs> so, Let's get well, back on. yeah. Well, we're going to have to bring you back on another time, buddy. But you know what would be Anytime. great if we brought you back on. Not we were all three hunting somewhere. That uh, that would be great for me because that means I'm going hunting somewhere. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it means I got time off. You know, my wife tried to pull a quick one on me. She said, I get three hunts a year. And she told me that that's I only get to kill three things a year. And I'm just i like nothing like to me the spring doesn't count as hunts that doesn't count oh, no. okay <laughs> only fall counts so right. spring sure is that, just spring training sure counts it's her. spring training it's just you know you're training you're getting you just keeping warm right <laughs> so um now the fall like she said i could go with my friends and that doesn't count but now she's like backpedaling like well that does count and she drew a really good mule tag in new mexico and she's like, well, that's one of your hunts. And I say, absolutely not. That's your hunt. That's her hunt. Do you get if, to shoot? No. Then it's not your hunt. It's not my hunt. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I got to draw the line there. If you're not pulling the trigger or have the ability, it's not your hunt. She's, I she's, hope Taryn don't listen to this, but I'm sorry. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm out there with my glass, my glasses, sitting on cold hills in the wind looking for big bucks. So I'm sacrificing. The way I look at it is I'm sacrificing myself for her, as usual. <laughs> you know, it's a good way well, to look at it, bud. I think the thing about that. her though is she she gets it done in the clutch. Oh, dude, you see that big buck she shot? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, she, and then the big bull, or the elk, or yeah, like everything she shoots. Yeah. Yep. I mean, her buck she shot Impressive. is 500 yards. And then, you know, Greg. Greg took her on that hunt. Oh, yeah. In uh late hunt in the snow up in Payson. 
and it was 700 yards in the worst weather I've ever been. To me, that was the worst weather because it rained for the first hour. And oh, was, wow. I was so worried about her rain gear, I forgot all my awesome Sitka stuff at home. <laughs> oh, no. I, I wanted to make sure she was nice and warm. So, like, I, I saw the weather. I went. She didn't have good rain gear, so I went to the sportsman's and bought her Sitka rain gear. She's she's walking around all perfect, and I get to camp, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, dude, they're hanging up in my closet. Oh How no way! So I'm sopping wet. It rained for the first hour, and then it started snowing. So it was like that in between, not quite snow, not quite rain. That that is the worst. And you know, you had to hike them. If you weren't hiking, you can get hypothermia. Mm-hmm. So, um. <laughs> I, that was a miserable day because it we didn't get we weren't done till four by the time we got back to the vehicle. So, but it's worth it, you know. Here's the thing: when you shoot big stuff, it's because you're willing to sacrifice and do what others aren't willing to do. You know, a lot of times, yeah. Because I thought, like, hey, any I was sitting on the top of that hill, and I was like, any normal human being would not be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Like any normal human, only people that have a bad addiction for hunting are willing to be here. Cause I can't think of anybody. And I was thinking like, we're going to call it like it's late in the day. We've been sopping wet all day. Like, and the fog, the problem was the fog. We couldn't see him because of the fog. Well, the fog was in there thick and then it just got, it just cleared up for 10 minutes and that's all we needed. So incredible. That's all, yeah. she, that's all she needed. That's all she needed. I, I think I might need some more. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, John. Well, hey, uh, real quick. I got uh, Brian, the guy I was telling you about. It was a seal. He said, uh, wanted me to thank you for the education experience you gave him and his teammates and uh, your legacy. Lives no on. way. He's a beast in the community. Oh, dude. So to be a beast in the community is pretty cool. Yeah. Dude. So, he remembered uh, the cold Alaska experiences. <laughs> man, yeah. that, that means a lot, man. I mean, yeah. honestly, your reputation's everything, right? And, yeah. Yeah, that's homely. That, thanks for sharing that. But damn. Yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, he's got, he put me through the cold weather training, Kodiak. Uh, dude used to tell stories about being, him being a real hunter, uh, helping, <laughs> helping the kills out on his shoulders type of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's... Uh, that, that's from him. It'd be cool. Uh, what a small world, Cody. Yeah. Isn't it, man? Well, Isn't this a small I mean, world. You and I just well, met. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's well, you and I just met over the phone, but you know, he's yeah. Uh, the SEAL community is obviously a small, a, a very, <laughs> you know, a very elite community, and uh, I was fortunate enough to meet you know a few of them just because of my job that's and crazy. Uh, the stuff yeah. that you did actually prepared them to to go help us be, you know. <laughs> be able to do what we do so yeah um yeah so that's awesome man It'd i just want cool. to pass that along but if uh we could get him all three of us hunting somewhere well brian wants to yeah he he uh like i said he's working now and yeah, he wants to get into archery so i want to go I do an axis hunt in texas because you can't kill little shits over in hawaii they're just too like i mean we'll you can we'll go do it we'll figure it out we'll go do it but yeah yeah 
And if you ever need any R&D guys here in Arizona, we <laughs> I know a couple dudes outside of Greg. Greg Crow is your go-to guy if you want your stuff. If you want to know if he'll last through a hunting season in the worst-case scenarios, that's Greg Crow. If you want to, oh yeah. If you want a normal person wearing Terry, you just let me and Cody know. We'll do that. I don't know. You know, Brock. I was going to send you some new rain gear, but uh, apparently you don't like to wear it and leave it in your closet. <laughs> so uh, I'll just. Hey, dude, they just coming out with some new light stuff. You I guys, love it. You guys just have that new light stuff that came out. Yeah, the dew point. Yeah. I was thinking, what do you think I should bring to Yukon? That's a good question. I know I'm going to need rain gear. Do I bring the the storm front? I think it is. Or yeah, I'll have to I'll have to get more details from you, but I can totally get you dialed, man. You you you're, you'll want something a little different for up there. Right on. Perfect. Sick. Yeah. Well, I'll see you. We'll see you again, and we'll talk again, hopefully soon. So just keep up to date with us, and we'll keep you know bothering you. So, that's right. John, it was it was a great meeting you, man. Great talking to you. Appreciate you coming on. All right, man. Yeah. Well, th- again, thanks for thanks for inviting me, guys. Yes, you, sir. You have a great one. All right. You too. Take See care, you later. Bud. Well, that was awesome, huh? Yeah, it was great. So great talking to him, and uh, appreciate you setting that up. But. Well, hey everyone, that was a special treat for everybody. I've known him for four or five, no, three years now. A little bit three, you said, yeah. So. Um, we um when we started the podcast, he was on top of the list. Yep, took us twenty, what twenty one episodes. This be twenty three, yeah, yeah, twenty two. So yeah, it's good, man. Um, yeah, Texan Brian, he's he's like, dude, he's he's a monster. So yeah, I was pretty cool. He's a, I've hunted with him. He's a monster. So yeah, he's that's awesome. He's he's the real deal. That's what's cool about him is that I've met him in real life. You know, we've hung out, we've mm-hmm. hunted. A bunch of times we kept in contact through text about we share photos with each other about kills that we shot and um, just give each other updates on hunts that we've had and he's just a great guy. It's awesome. Yeah, fun to hunt with. Great. A big part of hunting is having a good hunting camp, right? Like one person can ruin the hunting camp. Yeah. And we had some really good camps like um, that two years ago and last year were really good camps and he was one of the reasons why it was good. So. Well, well, cool. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. That's right. Hey, send some DMs anytime. And we'll try to do, we'll answer what you have. Take care, y'all. See you.